Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church and to our guests, good morning as well. We're glad that you're here and that you've come to worship uh, this morning with us. Uh, if you would, take your uh, bulletin, uh, see what's in there. There's lots of different things in there and announcements. We have Lottie Moon Christmas offering coming up, uh, which is a, a big deal, not just for us as a church, but for the entire Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, amazing, amazing things with the Lottie Moon offering happen to fund and to support missions all around the globe. Uh, so we are a giving church uh, to that, and we're excited about how that offering will be used. So uh, consider your gift during this uh, season ahead for that. And uh, all of our guests, if you would, take this tab uh, in, in your bulletin and fill that out and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by, and that can be your gift to us this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you're here to worship. Uh, and if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word and remain standing upon the completion of the reading of the Word as David leads us. Uh, in worship. This morning, we're reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any, in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen.
truly great things thou hast done. We give you the praise and the glory for every expression of your love and grace and mercy. Thank you, our Father, for this special season of the year when we think of our nation uh, observing a special day of thanksgiving. What a blessing it's been this past week, few days, Lord, when families can gather together and we rejoice and give thanks for our families, Lord. We're grateful for this time of worship this morning, and we give praise and thanks unto you. We thank you for each person that is here. We know, our Father, there are special needs, and we lift those unto you today. We just pray, Father, for those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, that this could be the moment, this could be the day, as our pastor shares a word this morning, that they would come to see their need in the depths of sin and degradation and to the glorious gift of eternal life that gives us the assurance of not only in this life and being in you, but what you have prepared for us in that glorious place that is called heaven. If there's anyone here today that is not ready for that event in life, I pray that this will be the hour in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
song in our hymn that we don't sing too often is very appropriate for Thanksgiving season. Fill my cup, Lord. Let's sing it together. season. This Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're going to sing, Come Ye Thankful People, Come.
Father, we are thankful for you, Lord God, in this lesson this morning at Sunday School about thankfulness. Lord, we're thankful for an opportunity to come into your house and worship you, Father. Our next form of worship, Lord God, is if we, uh, as we praise you with all the things that you've given us, Lord, as we give a portion back to you, we pray that you would bless it and grow your kingdom in all things in your glory. Amen.
Good morning. Uh, I'll be singing. The Unseen Hand. And shall lead me as I go, and there upon that golden strand, I'll praise him for his guiding hand. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some glad day I'll reach that strand Feel guided by the unseen hand His hand has led through shadows drear And while it leads I'll have no fear I know twill lead me to that home for sin nor sorrow ever can come. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand, still guided by the unseen hand I long to see my Savior's face and sing the story saved by grace and there upon that golden strand I'll praise him for his guiding hand I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some glad day I'll reach that strand, still guided by the unseen hand. My mentors always told me the light that shines the farthest will also shine the brightest at home. What we saw firsthand was when our people began to get engaged in mission overseas, they brought back to our church a mentality of doing whatever it takes to reach our community. Whenever I talk to pastors and they say, man, I want a church that is excited and engaged and reaching our community, I say, well, ironically, one of the best ways to do that is to send them overseas on some trips because they'll get the vision for reaching their community from seeing what God is doing in a culture that is very different than their own. So we are committed to Ukraine. We have trips that are planned to mobilize young professionals and older retired couples and everybody in between to go and live there among the people, serve there to evangelize Ukrainian people and mobilize them so that they can reach their own people because we give and we pray and we go, not because we feel like it's we have to, but because we get a chance to have a front row seat in what God is doing in, in one of the formerly most closed places in the world.
He is our current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He pastors church down in uh, North Carolina, in Durham, North Carolina there. So um, sharing next Sunday, we kick off our Lottie Moon Christmas offering week of prayer. So we'll have our prayer guides in the bulletin. Uh, if you came in entrance B, which is downstairs there uh, outside of Fellowship Hall, you'll see a post office there. If you give Christmas cards instead of spending 50 cents, I guess that's how much a stamp is now, 50 cents. I think it's going up to 55 soon. Uh, you can just drop them in the little Lottie Moon um, uh, Christmas offering post office and put your the money you would have spent on stamps, you can put it in there as well, and all that goes towards our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Every penny well, we receive that we give towards missions, gifts to our IMB, who I shared last Sunday that uh, Paul Chitwood, the former president here of the KBC, Kentucky Baptist Convention, he's now the new president of the IMB. So it's certainly exciting, very personal, close to home for us to support our IMB. I do appreciate it. Uh, as you give to our church, every, do, every um, dollar you give, and last Sunday was our biggest offering. We had a $37,000, our biggest one of the year so far, so uh, that's encouraging to see your giving. Every dollar you give to this church, we give uh, 12%, 12 cents of every dollar away. So 10% goes to the cooperative program, 1% goes to our local association, and another 1% goes to our missions fund, our missions committee that runs that all the local missions. So we operate on 88 cents of every dollar we receive here. We are a missions-giving and a missions-going church here at Broadway Baptist Church. So that's why Lottie Moon, uh, last year we collected, for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we collected just over $20,000. It came in like $20,051. So our goal this year is... $23,500. So uh, this supports reaching the nations with Jesus. When you give to Lottie Moon, you are supporting our 5,000 plus missionaries who are serving all around the world. So um, it's very encouraging to, uh, to give to Lottie Moon. So I want to encourage you in your offering envelopes, there's one you'll see for next Sunday for your Lottie Moon. So be praying over your Christmas season about your Lottie Moon gift. Pull out your white piece of paper here, and also open your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 10. Anytime you preach or teach out of the gospel of John, you have to, it takes like 25 verses, so there's a lot of scripture today, because John is a different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because he has, Jesus has these long conversations in the gospel of John, so it, it's a little more, um, uh, a little more scripture involved here. To your, so I want you to pull out your Bible to follow along to get the context of the conversation Jesus is talking about here. Past three, four days, I have been in Ohio, and um, I really haven't spent very much time in Ohio at all. Only time I had been in Ohio before that was when I went to a Cincinnati Reds game, and that's just barely into Ohio. You're still looking at the river in Kentucky when you're at the Great American Ballpark. But I actually had to go deep into Ohio, and... Um, you see this weather out today? You see how it's a, a gray fog? That's what it's like in Ohio. This weather here actually came from Ohio. It followed me yesterday afternoon when Sherry and I drove back down. But truly, we were up in um, Newark, which is in Licking County, which is east of Columbus. So it's right in the middle of the state. So you're deep into Ohio up there. It's gray. The sun never comes out. The sun sets up there at 4.30. It's like this eternal mist. It's, all, it's not really raining, but it's just always misting up in Ohio. This is no joke. You're coming down I-71, then you hop on 75 there. When you cross over into Kentucky, all, um, the, the sun comes out. You pass that river. The clouds go away. The birds start chirping. It's amazing 
what happens when you, uh, you get back into the south from Ohio. But it, it is gray and dark up there all the time. So um, it's about 10 degrees colder. It's just always cold uh, when you're up there. So that's my first time to see that, that type of territory. So, uh, uh, but anyway, I share that because what we're going to see here, reasons for unbelief. This is a message here, and really a sermon, that's going to speak to us because Jesus is going to tell us why folks don't believe in Him. And really understanding what does it mean to be a sheep. I know we hear those type of language all the time about a sheep and a shepherd, but Jesus is really going to make it clear to us today about understanding why don't some people believe in Jesus, and why do others? So I want you to, in <clears throat> uh, this really interesting also, here on your little handout, uh, we're gonna start, uh, Bible verse scripture here starts out with something called the Festival of Dedication. Let me explain what that is. That's also known in your Bible as the Festival of Lights. It's all, also known to us as Hanukkah. That's what we call it. Hanukkah actually starts next Sunday. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't always know what Hanukkah is. We think that's for Jewish folks. But what you need to know because Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. And if Jesus celebrated and he went to the temple during this festival, you need to be aware of it. If it meant something to him, it means something to us. What Hanukkah was is during the intertestamental period. That's between the book of Malachi in your Old Testament, then the book of Matthew. So there was about four or five hundred year period there of um, really not a lot of great things going on in Israel's history. What happened, they, had, they were rededicating their temple. And they were going to light some candles. A menorah there had eight candles there. And then if you ever see the Han uh, uh, Hanukkah candle, there's one in the middle. So it's nine candles, eight on the side, one in the middle. It's called menorah. Well, what happened is they were, it's an eight-day celebration of the rededication of the temple about 164 B.C. So this is before Christ. Well, the Jewish folks only had enough oil for one day. You light a candle for each day. Well, a miracle occurred, and God allowed the oil to continue to uh, remain in the little jar, in the candle jar, so that it could burn for eight days. So one day's oil supplied actually eight days of Hanukkah. So that's why it's called the Festival of Lights. And that's why it's also known as the Festival of Dedication, because they're dedicating the temple that had been destroyed. They're, they're, uh, they rebuilt it back up with Herod, and then they're rededicating it to the Lord. So it's important because it was a winter celebration. It starts next, su next Sunday night at sundown. And um, it's something that Jesus participated in. So Hanukkah, even though we might think, oh, that's for Jewish folks, no, that's, it's a miracle that the, Lord uh, the Lord participated in and that God performed to allow the light and the oil to continue on. So that is, um, it's important also because Jesus said in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is that light that certainly continues to shine. But I want you to turn your Bibles here. John chapter 10. We're going to read about 23 verses today. So I want you to really follow along your Bibles. Um, what's going on here is Jesus is, this is the good shepherd passage. This is where Jesus makes this statement where he says, I'm a shepherd, you're the sheep. Sheep follow the shepherd. And tying all this with unbelief is what Jesus is going to tell us. And where we're going to end at this is, you know if you're a sheep, if you're following Jesus. Because unbelief leads you to not following the shepherd. Not obeying what he says. Not caring 
what the Lord has to, uh, to, to speak to you. So actually, turn your Bibles, John 10, verse 14. I want to start in verse 14. We're going to read verse 14 through 16, then we're going to skip down and pick up on verse 22. Look what Jesus says here. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep, and we're going to explain this, these other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, apparently Jesus here is talking about two different types of sheep. So he's saying he knows his sheep. The sheep, the first sheep he talks about in this verse is 14. He's talking about Jewish folks who accepted him as the Messiah. These are folks, his disciples, they, they grew up in Judaism, and they saw him in the scriptures. They see this is the Messiah who's come to die for the sins of the world. But then we get to here to verse 16, and he starts talking about these other sheep that are not from the sheep men. Who are the other sheep? Now, if you turn on your TV and you watch the Mormons, the Church of Latter-day Saint commercial, they claim they are the other sheep, the LDS church. That's not true at all. Jesus wasn't talking about the Mormons here. He was talking about Gentiles. He was talking about people who were not Jesus, who were not Jews, but who were still believers and followers of Jesus. So his sheep pen, all the sheep out there, are Jewish folks who accept him as the Messiah, and then also these other sheep who are the Gentiles, that would mostly be us, that we recognize Jesus is the Messiah. He died for us. He's the one that's the coming one, and we accept him. So those are the categories we see here, because this is important, because to understand the sheep differential here, we're going to see um, as we uh, skip down. So skip down in your Bibles here, and I'm going to break this into three sections. John 10, 22. It says here, Then the festival of dedication, that's Hanukkah, took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now I want you to understand, they do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. What they're trying to do is they want Jesus to say, I'm the Messiah, so they can kill him. It's a total setup. They aren't, there's no suspense. The only suspense they're waiting for is an opportunity to trap him. So that's how this, this conversation begins. Verse 25. I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered them, The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. Now this is interesting. We're going to stop here. There's a key verse here, verse 26. But you don't believe. Look at this in your Bibles. But you don't believe because why? You are not my sheep. So our question we're answering, why do not some people believe in Jesus and others do? Well, based on this verse right here, Jesus is saying the key to believing is that you first must be a sheep. You have to realize, okay, I'm a sheep. Then from that, from that realization that I'm in the sheep pen, Jesus is my shepherd, 
therefore I believe. So, now remember, Jesus talks about there's two different types of sheep. The first sheep he talked about there, back in verse 14, were Jewish folks. And then there's these other sheep. So, the Jewish people, they had to realize, the understanding that God has saved me. I'm part of the sheep, sheep pen, the flock, and He's the shepherd. So what, what Jesus is saying here is there's a relationship for, with being and believing. Those are the two fill-in-the-blanks in your, in your bulletin. That's it. There's being and believing. First, you have to be a sheep. Then you believe in Jesus. That's what He's telling us. This is, this is tricky to understand this. Many times, when you come to church and you go to Sunday school, you hear your preacher and your teacher saying, believe, 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 believe. And here Jesus is saying in verse 26, He's saying, no, you need to be a sheep. First you have to say, what does it mean to be a sheep? Okay, if you're a sheep, you have a shepherd. Who's the shepherd? The shepherd's Jesus. You have to, it's an identity Jesus is talking about. You find your identity in Christ first. He's saying, I am a sheep. That means, number one, I have a shepherd. The shepherd's Jesus. Number two, when you're a sheep, you just aren't out wandering by yourself. Nobody buys one sheep. You have a sheep, you have hundreds and thousands of sheep. There's lots of sheep. You're in a flock with other sheep. That means there's a sense of community. You realize, well, there's other sheep around here. They all make wool. This is what we do. We have a shepherd. So you don't have loner sheep, just one little sheep wandering out by himself. Part of being a sheep is realizing also you're part of something bigger. You're part of a flock, and you have a shepherd. Now, tying all this together, if Jesus is saying you have to first be a sheep, what he's telling us today is before believing comes, as verse 26 tells us, you have to first there's a sense of being. There's a sense of identity of who I am in Christ. I am a sheep. He is a shepherd. Therefore, and only then, I believe in the Lord. Do y'all follow me on this? What he's saying is, before you become a believer in the shepherd, you have to first realize, I'm a sheep. And what I mean by this, I don't want to lose some of y'all this. Our greatest challenge, understanding salvation is that church, we're not the shepherd. We're not in charge. We're not the one directing everything. Jesus, coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ is understanding and realizing He is first and foremost the shepherd of my life. When you're a shepherd, I've never shepherded sheep. Maybe they do that up in Ohio or out in the country somewhere. <clears throat> By the way, Ohio has country everywhere. Only like three or four cities there. And then you just drive 100 miles, there's just nothing. There's gray skies and mist, maybe some sheep around. But if you are a shepherd in Ohio, you tell your sheep what to do. You guide them along. They, they, they're helpless. They're hopeless. And Jesus is saying that is what it means to be under the lordship of Him as your shepherd. Salvation, Broadway Baptist, is realizing you're utterly helpless, utterly useless without the Lord. Your complete identity is in Christ. What happens to us is 
in order to believe in Christ, something very deep, life-shaking must happen in your heart. It's like the resurrection or a recreation has to take place. That is what salvation is. You realize, God, I am lost. I am hopeless. I am a single sheep wandering alone until I realize I'm lost. I'm a lost sheep and I need to come under the leadership of the shepherd. And then I believe him. In order to get saved, you first have to understand your identity. Your identity is a sheep that's a lost soul wandering. And you come under and you believe the shepherd. Have you ever seen that old, um, it's not that old, but um, we've seen it before. It's called The Polar Express. It's a Christmas movie. And um, it's about this little boy that if you hear the little bell ring, you still believe in Santa Claus and in Christmas and you get presents and you get stuff. And it's about as you age, the, you can no longer hear the bell. Y'all give me blank. Has anybody, anybody seen this movie, The Polar Express? Good. Well, what ha- that is what happens in our life. Very similar. We, get, we age and we just we forget our identity in Christ. Jesus is looking for folks who are saying, Jesus, I believe you. I'm going to follow the shepherd. I'm here to listen and obey to what he says. Part of being saved, a key part is, do you listen to the Lord in your life? Are you following Jesus as your shepherd? Because what's happened, the folks here in this story, in John chapter 10, they, they're sitting here saying, Jesus, tell us very plainly, are you the Messiah? He says, guys, I've told you over and over and over again, you still don't believe, it doesn't matter what I tell you. Listen, salvation doesn't come from logic. You don't argue someone into getting saved. No one says, man, he made a really good point there. I think I'll walk the aisle and give my life to Jesus. Salvation comes. You get saved this morning. Brother Herb prayed forever our prayer. When you realize, I am a lost soul. I am a wandering sheep on a hill. Just have no hope at all without a shepherd. And at that point, you're saying, I'm ready to follow the shepherd. I'm ready to believe this shepherd in my life. I want the Lordship of Christ this Christmas. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 27. John 10, 27. It goes on to say here, My sheep, look at this, so when you become a sheep, this is what it means to be saved. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You want to know if someone's saved? They daily are following their shepherd. They stay with the flock. Saved people go to church. Saved people obey the Bible. Saved people hear Jesus' voice. How do you hear Jesus' voice? You have a daily quiet time. You come to church. You're listening. You're growing in your relationship with the shepherd. That's what it means to know him. Verse 28 here. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, once you're saved, you're saved eternally. That's called eternal security. That means once you come into that relationship with the Lord, once you understand, I'm a sheep, He's the shepherd, you're you're in the sheep pen. God owns you. You become one of His. My Father, verse 29, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So remember, this was a question here that answered their charges to saying, Jesus, tell us if you're the Messiah. Make it very clear. 
So this is their response. All right, now, I, I want you to see this in verse 31. So we just told the Jewish folks, they all want to know if he's the Messiah. He said, I am. I, I'm the father of one. No one can take, take the sheep out of my father's hand. There's an identity with Christ. If you hear my voice, and I know them, they follow me. If you are saved, Jesus knows you. What that means is He knows your weakness. He knows your struggles. He knows everything going on in your life. Nothing catches the shepherd off guard. He knows His folks. Just like you know your children, you know your grandchildren, Jesus knows you. That's the great comfort we take here in the Gospel. So look at the response of the Jewish folks. Remember, we just wanted to know clearly, are you the Messiah? So this is after He tells them this brief answer. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. What a reply. Could you imagine? Could you imagine at the invitation here, instead of people walking the aisle to get saved, you killed me? You picked up rocks and tried to kill the preacher? I mean, that's literally what happened here with Jesus. He just shared the good news with them, and they really are they're killing the man. That is their reply. That's their invitation. That's their time of response. We don't like this guy. Let's kill him. Jesus replied, I love this reply. Here. Now we've got our stones where they throw them. <coughs> they didn't have guns back then, so you stone folks. I have shown you many good works from the Father. And they knew, they were talking about God. For which of these works are you stoning me? That has to be a sarcastic question by Jesus. Okay, I've done all these great things with you. The Lord has blessed you. We've healed folks. You've seen the power of God. Now, which of the good deeds here are we going to kill me for? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. That was their answer. He said, you, <clears throat> you're, committing this, you're committing the sin of blasphemy. And that is out of the book of Leviticus. It's, you, are, uh, you are not to blaspheme the Lord. So, look at what Jesus says here. Now, this can be tough to understand. He's going to quote Psalm 82, verse 6. Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your law, I said you are God's? Now, that's, that's a quote there from Psalm 82, 6. If he called those whom the word of God came to God's, and the scripture cannot be broken... You see the authority of God's Word that Jesus placed on. The Scripture cannot be broken. Say, if this is in the Bible, and we know uh, it is, if you, in that phrase, I, I said you were God's, that's like a, a, a Pharaoh, a, a king, someone in a kingship. We're not talking about God in heaven. We're saying this guy's like a God. That means he's the leader of the folks. If he called those whom the word of God came to God's, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing my Father's works, then don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am the Father. Jesus just said here, Hey, listen, if, you don't, if, you don't, if I'm not doing God's will, do not believe me. He's giving them an opportunity to turn away right here. He's saying, just leave. Just 
But if I am doing God's will, and you're seeing the power of God come, and I'm fulfilling Scripture, and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, and God is speaking to you this morning, then the ball's in your court. Then you will be condemned, is what He's saying. Then the judgment is coming upon you. Jesus is saying, weigh the options. Read your Old Testaments. I'm fulfilling everything there. I'm doing what your word that you say cannot be broken. I'm, every word of it's coming true. I want you to, we aren't saved because of an argument or logic. We are saved because of God's promises. Those promises are fulfilled in the New Testament in the Messiah, Jesus. That's what we hang our salvation on. Jesus, this stuff isn't random. He has a purpose and a plan of what He's doing. Verse 38. But I, if I am doing them, and you don't believe me, believe the works, this way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they were trying again to seize Him. Their reply, their reply to this is, let's kill the man. But He eluded their grasp. <clears throat> Jesus is explaining the, God, the Scriptures so clearly to these Jews, and they will not listen. So that's telling us, okay, why aren't they listening? Well, because they're not sheep. They don't recognize their loss. In order for someone to be saved, in order for someone to have eternal life, salvation begins by realizing you're spiritually dead. You're without the Lord. You're, you're in need of a shepherd. Alright, last three verses here. Verse 40. Now, this, now it's going to twist right here. So remember, we're, we're on one side of the Jordan River and no one believes in Jesus. They saw the miracles, then they want to stone him. They want evidence for him to be the Messiah. He quotes scripture, they still don't believe him. They're still trying to kill Jesus. They, there's a, it's a hard soil. They have hardened hearts on one side of the Jordan River. So now look what's going to happen here. Verse 40. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier. And he remained there. Look at this. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign. So John, John didn't work miracles. John came preaching repentance and he baptized folks. John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. So remember, John the Baptist came. He prepared a way for the Lord. So now Jesus is showing up on the other side of Jordan where John was baptizing. And look what happened in verse 42. This is the... This is the irony in, in about belief in Christ. Verse 42, And many believed in Him there. Now, all we did, guys, this is like, you go up to Ohio. Just you cross Ohio River. No one believes. Gray clouds, they hate you, they stone you. You sail across the Ohio River and you're in Covington, Kentucky. You walk in and People are listening, they're believing, you think, my goodness, I can still see over there on the other side of the Jordan or the Ohio River. Why can one group of people want to kill Jesus and the other want to believe in Jesus? Do you see the contrast of what's happened here? Some people reject Jesus, they cannot accept Him, and others gladfully, rejoicefully accept Him. Look here up on the screen. Here are some reasons for unbelief. One side of the river, people try to kill Jesus. 
The other side, many people believe in Jesus. That is verse 42. Now we're going to answer, why does this happen? Why can, why can one of your children love the Lord, loves church, loves the Scriptures, and you have another child that was raised in the same house, the same church, the same mom and dad, and they are so far from God? How can one person be this way and another person down here? We're going to try to answer that. Look at this. Number two. These are reasons for unbelief. Jesus' own, we're not going to turn here. Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. You know Jesus had four brothers from Mary. <clears throat> they had four brothers. And the Bible says in John 7, 5, now James, the one who wrote the epistle of James, was his brother, but he did believe. But his other three, the Bible says, didn't. It says they did not believe in him. They grew up in the same house as Jesus, same mom and dad, and they did not believe in Jesus. So even if, this is the danger of unbelief, and I think making this personal for us, listen, if folks in Jesus' home didn't believe in Jesus, could I also be struggling with unbelief? If it happened to him, could it happen to me? What I mean by this is, the question is, am I a sheep? Do I follow the shepherd? Do I listen to his voice? Does he guide me along every day? Do I stay with the flock? The danger of going out of the sheep pen and doing your own thing, when you say, God, I'm just going to do my own thing, I'm going to just go out there, I love sin, I have problems, I'm, I'm going to rebel, you're saying, God, I'm not a sheep. I'm not saved. A saved life comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ as your shepherd. Number three, up here on the screen. Unbelief produces a certain excitement in miracles. You believe the miracles. Now this is what was going on to Jesus. All these folks were hung up on was the miracles. Today, people love miracles. I, I don't know who performs miracles, but if you found a miracle worker, they love them. They can make lots of money. They have an audience. They have a show. You'd be on TV performing miracles. People believe miracles. Miracles are dangerous because you don't believe in who creates the miracles. You believe in the miracles. This is why Jesus, he didn't, in some places, he just couldn't do any miracles. He said, You don't believe in me. You believe the miracles. All these folks, Jewish folks, kept asking for is they wanted to, they wanted to see the miracles from Jesus. Number four, unbelief exists because it's threatened by Jesus. And once his teachings stopped. This happens today. This is verse 31, what we just read. It says here, Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Do you know why the LGBTQ, whatever letters, the community, they are against Christianity? Do you know why people who are pro-choice and love abortion, they hate Christians? Do you know why the media, people who run the media, they have an agenda a lot of times, they're pushing on what you watch on TV, at the movies, on the internet. Do you know why uh, certain things are censored on, online? The reason why this all occurs is because of this. When you go around proclaiming God's Word, saying, Thus saith the Lord, this is what God says. 
sin is sin, right is right, wrong is wrong. People who love sin, who love their, their sinful practices, their immoral beliefs, when they love it more than they love God, they're saying, we're going to stone them. We have to stop. We are threat. Jesus' teachings threaten other people. When you start proclaiming and believing the Bible, when you start saying, I'm going to start being a sheep, and I'm going to follow the shepherd, and I'm going to stand for God's Word, you now have an army of enemies that's opposed to you. These people, in verse 31, Jesus is explaining the Scriptures, and their response is, where's a rock? I hate this guy. Let's kill him right now. There's no reason. It doesn't matter what you say. These Jewish people's hearts were hard. Their answer to Jesus was, let's kill him. Listen, if they're going to kill Jesus, they'll kill you. If Jesus met opposition, you will meet opposition. It is not easy being a sheep. It's not. When you sign up to follow Jesus as the shepherd, there will be wolves, there will be folks on the attack, there will be people coming after you. They will. Unbelief exists because it's threatened by Jesus Christ. And they're going to stop His teachings. The gospel, the great thing about the gospel, the good news, that Jesus says it will spread throughout the entire world. Nothing will stop what Jesus started. Number five, last thing we're hearing. Unbelief exists because people love sin. John 3.19 says, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Why do people love darkness because of the light? Because their deeds were evil. There it is. That's Hanukkah, the light of the world, Jesus. People, He shows up, and the the folks responded, said, uh, I think I'll, I'll stick to my sin. I don't want to hear Jesus' teachings. If you were here this morning, and you're wondering, what is a sheep like? Say, Daniel, I want to be a sheep. I want to start following the Savior. I see myself. I need to be a sheep. Then I believe. Be a sheep realizes you're lost without the Lord. That's what conviction of sin. When you're out wandering in the wilderness by yourself, God brings you in under His Lordship and leadership of the shepherd. What that means for us is if you are a sheep, you have to follow the shepherd. The Bible says over and over again, you hear his voice. That means you're listening to the Lord. There's a lot of other things that want your ear. They want your time. They want your attention. Do you give that to God? Is Jesus your shepherd? Meaning, does he guide you daily? Number two, the last thing. What's a sheep like? A sheep stays with the flock. This is why having a church family, having Christian friends, having a group of folks that believe the same Bible, that believe the same Scriptures you do, that are sheep just like you is important. Because if you do not have that, if you are isolated, you will find yourself wandering away. You, Jesus doesn't want us to go solo. This is why accountability, this is why Sunday school, this is why Christian community is so important to our life. You want to see what a person's like, you look at their friends. This is why you need to help pick your children and your grandchildren's friends. Because if they pick the wrong friends, they will find themselves out in the wrong pasture. Your friends, your circle of influence, defines who you are. 
you stay with the flock. This is why church attendance is so important. Listen, when you, if you ever met somebody who says, oh, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. Could you imagine Jesus standing, he's, he's a great shepherd, and someone comes up and says, oh, Jesus, I'm a sheep, I just don't listen to you. I just don't follow you as my shepherd. I just don't stay in your pen. Jesus said, you're not a sheep. You're not my sheep pen. Who do you think you are? If you're saved, if you're a saved sheep, you stay in the sheep pen with other flock. <coughs> saved people obey the Lord. Saved folks listen to His voice. Saved folks remain together. This morning, I want you to examine your heart. I'm going to have an uh, invitation. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. This is an evangelistic message. It's Christ calling you to Himself. Are you a sheep? Is Jesus your shepherd? Do you listen to His voice? You have to be a sheep. Realize, I'm wandering around aimless without the Lord. Then I fall under His leadership. If that is you, Christ is inviting you. He says, let me be your shepherd. Let, let me be the Lord of your life. I want everybody to bow their heads. And don't look around. This is your time to do business with God. I want you to answer this question. Is Jesus your shepherd? Or when He speaks to you, are you just like the Jewish folks? They were picking up stones to kill him. They didn't even answer his question. They just killed, tried to kill the man. They don't even care what he has to say. Listen, you do not come to Christ through logic and through a good argument. You come to Christ because you realize you are a, you are a sheep who's in need of a shepherd. That's what it means to believe. I believe my shepherd. Jesus is looking for folks for His flock. Are you in that flock? If you have never been saved, if you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, now is your time to say, Lord, I'm Yours. Be my shepherd. I want you to pray this prayer. You pray it silently. This is what we know is the sinner's prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm a lost sheep. I am wandering alone without You. Lord, save me. Forgive me. I won't use my shepherd. Lord, from this point on, I will live for You. I'm Yours, Jesus. In Your name I pray. Amen. Listen, the Bible says, you prayed that prayer. If you meant that, Jesus is your shepherd. Church, that's what it means here on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That is what it means for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. We have a public invitation. Jesus calls his sheep publicly. It's not something secret. If you got saved this morning, or if you need to make a decision, now is your time to publicly respond. David Dell is going to lead us in our song. I want to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to sing, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. A great song for this sermon. I'll be standing out front waiting for you to reply. I 
have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have a couple announcements here I want to make. Uh, first of all, tonight is um, Todd Ott is preaching here, the evening worship service. I will be downstairs in Awanas, and I'm going to be sharing the gospel and speaking to all the children tonight. So if you have children, you will bring them. It starts from, it's at 530 to 730. It's called Popcorn with the Pastor. I'll be sharing the good news as well as uh, giving children an opportunity to respond and having popcorn. So Todd, make sure you're here tonight. It's going to be a great service. Todd's outstanding. Uh, one of our great Sunday school teachers. He'll also be uh, preaching tonight, 6 o'clock. Also, uh, this coming week, tomorrow we start Christmas decorating. You know, next Sunday is the first Sunday in December, so Christmas is almost here. Rick Hawthorne, Rick, raise your hand. Rick is heading up our decorations. So if the church doesn't look good next Sunday, you blame Rick. <laughs> we are starting in your bulletin. It says 9 a.m., but Rick has a bunch of doctor's appointments. He wants to push it back to 2 p.m. So if you want to help decorate the church, what that really means is you're going to be climbing in the attic, bringing down boxes. It's a lot of work. And uh, it's a four-day event here at the church. So it will be at 2 o'clock. You just show up tomorrow at 2 o'clock with that. I want to give an update, too. Um, we ended up collecting 410 shoe boxes for the Operation Christmas Child. So that was an outstanding, um, outstanding amount. So that's a very encouraging with Peggy Hyams uh, collecting all that. I think that's all the announcements I know of. So those are some of the things uh, coming up this week. Sorry, David? We'll sing together. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. Amen. We'll see you tonight.